When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Heather Knight, and welcome to Total SF and our first episode in the Chronicle Archive in two years. And you and our guests got lost on the way in. <laughs> um, how did this happen? How bad was it? Well, Supervisor Myrna Melgar contacted me saying she's into Total SF, as all city leaders should be. I mean, it's kind of obvious. <laughs> so she follows us, and she um, texted me that she is the first sitting supervisor to dance in Carnival. And I said, well, that sounds like a Total SF kind of episode. So we agreed to meet in the 901 Mission Street lobby, and from there I got completely lost. I took her... <laughs> down into the bowels of the Chronicle, which I feel like the layout down there constantly changes. I don't know if that's just me, but the hallways are always going in different directions, and I have no idea where we wound up, but I had to call you <laughs> for a rescue. <laughs> yeah, it is It is in your defense, um, and I do want to ride you for this, but in, in your defense, it is a supernatural place. I mean, it's like this <laughs> constantly shifting labyrinth down there. They've knocked down walls, added walls. Um, still, I thought you'd be able to make it <laughs> kind of thinking maybe I need to install, find my iPhone on your phone like yeah. I do for my kids. Probably there's some people in the city who would have been happy if Supervisor Melgar <laughs> and I were just eternally stuck in the basement of the Chronicle. No such luck. Aaron Peskin, I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, so the last time we were there in February 2020, that was the only place we recorded Total SF. The pandemic forced us to get remote equipment and really long cords when we were distancing early on. And we've recorded everywhere in the city. I wanted to ask you, what are some of your favorite spots that we've recorded a Total SF episode? I think my all-time favorite was the roof of the Oasis Drag Bar because Darcy Drollinger is such a fun guy. But also we got a tour of the drag club, which I love. Um the behind-the-scenes wigs and heels, and um, let's just say how these men look very voluptuous. We learned the secrets, um, so that was probably my favorite. I also liked Mount Davidson, although um, carrying all the stuff up there was kind of a lot. Um, and some slow streets, those were fun. Yeah, Mount Davidson was great because I was sure it would be super windy and ruin the podcast, and it was like the one totally calm day on Mount Davidson. Um, I loved... Of course, Hunter and Lexi Pence's condo um, on the boat tram, San Francisco oh, right. Zoo, uh, Angel Island, base of Sutro Tower after we both got a tour up at the top was great. But I still think the Ferris wheel with Re Reverend <laughs> Megan Rohr was was an all-timer. Recording a podcast on a Ferris wheel, we have to be the first. Yes. Clearly, you prepared for that question way more than I did, so um, I'd kind of forgotten some of those, but we've had a great year. Yeah, yeah, excellent year. Um, we're going to make the archive recording an occasional thing. I thought it was a good fit for this week's guest, District 7 Supervisor Myrna Melgar. She has some deep history with Carnival, um, and we have a Carnival photo file 
it returns to the Mission District this coming weekend, and uh, I thought it was a good pick. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And she, um, unlike some supervisors, has a very fun and upbeat, silly side, so she loved looking through the old photos. And uh, we do have some of her. She's been dancing in the parade since she was 18. I don't know exactly how many years that is, but um, I think she's in her 50s, and she has three daughters now. She's even danced very pregnant in Carnival, so she goes back a long time in the, in the mission and in the big event itself. Yeah, I... I don't think you've ever shared a teen photo, Heather. I'm imagining um, bangs, feathered hair, something like oh, that. Oh, major bangs, we'll, yes. We'll sort that out later. Um, we talk in this episode about lowriders. Melgar gives us her hidden gem hike in District 7. We talk a little politics. Uh, Nordstrom Valet Lock comes up. <laughs> and uh, we talk about her study tracking how much longer male supervisors talk than their female counterparts power move there. Go Myrna. Excellent episode. Welcome back to the Archive, Heather. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Supervisor Myrna Melgar, welcome to the San Francisco Chronicle Archives and the Total SF Podcast. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for having me. You had a very Total SF moment that I witnessed during the Chinese New Year Parade in January when you danced on the back of a lowrider with hydraulics, and that was pretty <laughs> badass. How did that come about? Well, um, I asked uh, Roberta Hernandez, who is the uh, a coordinator, manager, mastermind for Carnaval, um, if uh, I could ride with him for the Chinese New Year Parade, because of course he's also really involved in the lowrider scene, and I knew he has uh, this awesome lowrider. Um, the car's name is Creamy, um, <laughs> and it is totally decked out. And I also know Ma that- Make and model? Are we talking um, Chevy Impala, or do we know that? It is a Chevy Impala, 1964. Wow. I guess, yeah. Right. And uh, I uh, I also know that Roberto's got excellent taste in music. <laughs> so he had the soundtrack, and it was great. So we did. We had a great time. Yeah. All the other politicians were doing their wave yeah. and looking very, like, kind of forced, you know. Uh, and you were just yeah, loving the, the mission. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we wanted you to come on the podcast today because um, for another Total SF moment coming up, you texted me that you believe you're the first sitting supervisor to dance in Carnival. Yeah. That's true. You yeah. don't think Aaron Peskin's doing I it? don't think Aaron's ever been on it, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the 44th annual Carnival is coming up May 28th and 29th. It'll cover 17 blocks in the mission. And it's the first Carnival, I believe, in three years due to the pandemic. So for right. people who've never been, can you describe it? What's the scene like? What should they expect? Well, Carnival takes two days. Um, and the first day is um, performances, food, you know, there's vendors. Uh, so they block off Harrison Street and just start the party. And the parade always happens on Sunday the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and people come from really all over the country now. It used to be San Francisco and then expanded to the Bay Area. And then we started seeing uh, groups from Northern California, Southern California. And now it's really from all over the country. Uh, and they come and parade down Mission Street uh, from all different ethnic groups and types of dances. Uh, you know, there's a big Brazilian contingent, of course, you mm -hmm. know, but it really is uh, cultures and dances from all over 
the world, and it's really quite wonderful. So it starts at um, 20th and Harrison, goes up uh, 24th Street, mm-hmm. and then down Mission Street, it ends at 15th Street. Mm-hmm. And what's like the vibe? Are people just super happy? And do you think it'll be especially happy this year that we're hopefully coming I out of the I think it pandemic? will, you know, because... Uh, just my experience with the Chinese uh, Lunar New Year Parade, I think people are just lonely mm-hmm. and uh, really excited to be with other people and to dance and to celebrate. Uh, we have just been so starved for those kinds of experiences for years. I think it's going to be super fun. Some of these groups work on the floats and the costumes for months and months. Mm. You know, I've been working on my costume. Oh, for a while. <laughs> Describe but, it. <laughs> um, so I'm dancing this year with a group called Loco Bloco, uh, and it is a youth group uh, primarily. Um, and uh, our last, I, I danced with them three years ago before the pandemic. Um, and uh, this year, the theme is um, rebirth. Mm. So it's all about, um, you know, nature and, you know, the spring, but also coming out of a pandemic, you yeah. know, how do youth show up to uh, be part of this rebirth that we're going through. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about it. It's all um, turquoise and gold, and we have all kinds of, you know, fun dance themes. So I'm really excited to to be with the kids. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And Peter has some history of Carnival that he found digging around in the archive. Yeah, we're we're in the archive. (laughs) We uh, gave you a little little tour. You're our first archive guest in like two years. Wow. I feel so honored. Yeah, you should. And and if I start crying for no reason, that's why. Um, I I dug around and and, um, we covered Carnival pretty much from like 1981 on, but it started in 1979, just like 500 people in Presida Park. The next year, um, they moved it to Dolores Park, and it was closer to 10,000. I mean, it just suddenly exploded. And then here's our first coverage from Stephen Wynn. This is, I think, 1982. A pre-Lenten festival that takes place after Easter, a neighborhood samba bash that's turned into a bureaucracy-sanctioned event, San Francisco's (laughs) carnival has shown, if nothing else, in its dizzying three-year rise to popularity, a certain capacity to be all things to all people. What began as sort of a hand-to-hand meeting of artists and the community in the Mission District is today a highly organized multicultural variation on Rio de Janeiro's annual carnival theme. Where else but San Francisco would a carnival parade include lowriders, disco roller skaters, Middle Eastern dancers, the Gay Latino Alliance, and a black theater group? And here's a quote from the carnival organizer, uh, Carol Deutsch. What we would like to do, she said, is turn the whole city on. So, <laughs> wow, he, he rocked that oh, article. I love that quote. <laughs> yeah, so I want to go in a time machine to this carnival, but I'm hoping we're going to still get that coming up. And uh, just a little bit more about the history. They they initially um, were in the Mission District, tried to move it onto Van Ness, ending at uh, the Civic Center, and people revolted. Nobody wanted that. Let, fewer people showed up. They moved back to the mission, um, got a little bit less corporate, and then it's just kind of been there and built from there. And, sure. Uh, and I he- mean, it is such an integral part of the the mission district 
culture and history now, mm-hmm. you know, really firmly exa- established. And for, for me, um, I started dancing with my sister, uh, you know, when we were both uh, in college, uh-huh. you know. You said you were I, 18 when you mm-hmm. first did my it? First, my first carnival, yeah. I have uh, three girls, uh, and uh, I was pregnant with all three of them while I danced with carnival. They've all grown up dancing in carnival. Uh, my youngest one is now 12, and she's a stilt dancer, so she's going to be with us uh, for this one as well. Um, and it's like just such a great family thing, you know, yeah. as well as, you know, uh, turning everyone on. <laughs> I love that quote. But it is one of these things that reflects the diversity of San Francisco um, and allows you to just have fun, you know, and get down with uh, everyone, everyone, thousands of people in That's the community. So cool. How great is that? You texted me the picture of um, dancing in 2009 when you were pregnant with your youngest <laughs> daughter. So A, are we allowed to share that on Twitter? Oh, sure. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And then B, what was it like? To, it looked like you were pretty far along in your pregnancy. What was that like? Yeah, so I was eight months. And uh, the uh, the group that I was dancing with uh, was called Fogo Najopa. And um, Metsy Enriquez, who was the leader of the group, was like, sure, I was going to give birth after this. Because it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's physically challenging, right? Um, so she was she ended up being three weeks late after her due oh date. <laughs> so it didn't work. <laughs> uh, but she came out dancing because she's a really good dancer. She does that musical theater. She's like all artistic. So... Yeah. Wow, that's great. And I, I heard the the theme for the last carnival was the mighty fourteen mission yes. Muni line. <laughs> yes. Which it was a love story to the mission fourteen. <laughs> Heather and I love Muni. We travel. That's kind of how we started our our partnership. But the fourteen mission is just, I think, the underrated backbone of this city. Yeah. Tell me about the fourteen and what this looked like, and uh, why the fourteen. Well, the fourteen uh, connects the mission to everywhere else in the city, but it's also it connects youth to their freedom. Mm. You know, because having the ability to get around on your own without asking your parents and knowing that you have this system that can take you basically anywhere in California if you know how to connect, it's pretty powerful, right? And, you know, they're, they're so, what the kids said while we were developing the theme is um, so many stories happen, right? Love stories, you know, like you hang out with your friends after school, you go to your activity, soccer, whatever, in the back of the Mission 14 bus, you know, it all, the life of kids in the mission happens on the back of the mission 14 bus. That reminds me of when my older son was three, uh-huh. his Halloween costume in my very crafty one-time moment was a muni bus ticket. Yeah. Like he looked like a, a ticket. So yeah. it was very cute. Yeah. And that's actually for the stilt uh, dancers. That's what it was. It was those old transfers. Uh-huh. Remember like yeah, yeah, they yeah. used to say late, late night, late night, you know, <laughs> right at the bus. Like, that's, that's what it was. Like one yeah. of those long transfers, paper transfers. <laughs> it was pretty great. I even took my son on a muni bus dressed like that. Uh-huh. I was like, this is my, this is my <laughs> transfer. <laughs> Did they accept it? Yeah, he, he was a good sport. <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
So you've been on the board of supervisors for about a year and a half now. I just watched a meeting. It was the, um, the JFK, one. JFK oh meeting. God. And I just wanted to send you all like a espresso mu- shots. Yeah, or a muffin basket and espresso shots, something like that. How do you feel about it a year and a half in? Um, I, I would think this has been a stressful year and a half, but I'm wondering how you feel about uh, your decision to uh, run for office and how the year and a half's been. I mean, I feel privileged, you know, to be able to do this. So I, um, you know, I'm the first woman to represent District 7 um, and the first Latina in 25 years to be on this board, you know. And I um, come from El Salvador. Uh, I was born and raised uh during a time of war. So despite those meetings where we sit until two in the morning, where people on both sides like vehemently disagree (laughs) with one another, uh, we have a system where people can come and tell us what they think, you know, and it's orderly and there's rules and it's televised. No one's killing each other, you know. So what a privilege that is for somebody like me, you know, who came from a civil war. So I, uh, I'm excited to do it. I still love my job, even when things get a little bit extra, you know, (laughs) I, um, I love it. And I love being in the community. Um, And stuff like the JFK drive had an outcome, you know, which I think was positive, Mm -hmm. because I voted for it. But I think that those things make a real difference in the quality of life for our citizens. And um, I feel totally grateful to be there you know I have a, a great team it's all women uh, and uh, we uh, work really hard on just like quality of life stuff in the district you know and and I and I find that really rewarding you know just like stop signs mm-hmm. garbage cans you know, because it does make a big difference in the lives of people and it's tangible mm-hmm who who was the last Latina on the board of supervisors before you? Um, so the last elected or last to be on? Elected. Uh, Susan Leal. That's my aunt. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> he set you up for that one. I set yeah. you up for that one. Well, so she swore me in. That's my auntie. Yeah. yeah that's so my she, mom's sister. Oh, I see. Heart lob. It, it throws people off. Yeah. But. So I was an aide to a member of the Board of Supervisors, uh, Jose Medina, when Susan was a supervisor. That's how long I've known her. Yeah. Uh, and always just so admired her. Like, so uh, so competent and so just level-headed. You know, no bullshit. So She's the best. She's a badass. Yeah, and, she is. And so is, she swore me in when, cool. I, when I got elected. Aww. Yeah. Well, she's a good one. She took me to Giants games when I was a little kid and then now is really uh, involved with my kids and uh, doing well. She's we're, we're, we're trying to get a 5K on the books, so she's doing good. Yeah. <laughs> Susan's great. Yeah. I wrote about a study you commissioned in which you tracked the amount of airtime consumed by your male colleagues versus female colleagues. And not surprisingly, you found a lot of mansplaining and interrupting going on. <laughs> did you get any feedback from your male colleagues and did they start shutting up more? Because it doesn't seem like it has just a casual viewer. <laughs> um, no and no. <laughs> I mean, it's a work in progress. You know, uh, this um, these behaviors and patterns are so ingrained and unanalyzed in our interactions in society, uh, especially in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just calling it out every time it happens, mm-hmm. you know, is helpful. But I know also now that, uh, if they go on, I will just look at them and they're like, okay. <laughs> She's starting her study again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Did anybody acknowledge it? Uh, privately, they did. And I must say my female colleagues, of course, were just <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you voted to keep that uh, Nordstrom's 
valet parking lot as is rather than to allow housing to be built there. You got a lot of blowback for that. Do you still think it was the right move? Um, I do. And so I know that we got a lot of blowback. We all had different reasons of why we voted against that project. Uh, My reason was that I thought the environmental impact statement was not uh, adequate in addressing the seismic issues. Um, And by what I mean is that, you know, they... This is five blocks from the Millennium Tower, mm-hmm. right, in, in a very similar soil type uh, with a construction that's twice as high as what would have been uh, permitted under our code. But because of um, SB 330, you know, it, it's allowed to go higher. And so I think that we uh, need to just look at those issues in a much deeper way. And I think that the, you know, I had long conversations with the folks in the um, environmental division at the planning department department. And I know that when they uh, redo it, um, or, you know, redo that one portion of a very long EIR, um, they will uh, take into account what we said. So Mm -hmm. I I think it'll go forward. Um, But I do think that, you know, um, with the the rise in our water table, uh, and what we do know now in terms of how buildings perform in earthquakes, um, you know, I'm pretty solid in that decision. Okay. Well, relatedly, a wealthy neighborhood in your district, St. Francis Woods, is seeking historic designation to get around a state law allowing for greater density. And I was wondering what you think of that. Should St. Francis Wood be exempted from the state law? Um, so they're seeking a historic designation. I think it is a historic district. Whether or not they should be exempted from state law is, I think, is a, a separate mm-hmm. issue. What do you think um, of that? I, I don't think they should be, mm-hmm. um, because St. Francis Wood is a great place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's good schools and, you know, nice parks. Um, and I think that um, the next generation of San Franciscans should have access to all those things. And I do think that there is a way to increase density uh, while still keeping, you know, beautiful architecture. Mm-hmm. It's done all, all the time, everywhere. So um, any city, any 500-year-old city in Europe can tell you that you can preserve uh, buildings and, you know, still keep the integrity and the neighborhood character and modernize it, increase the density. Mm -hmm. Well, you've survived our serious questions, and now it's time for the (laughs) lightning round. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Oh, that is such a contentious. Uh, <laughs> Way more than St. Francis Woods or the Nordstrom that Layla. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I will say that um, I'm one of the El Farolito nice. fans. Good. For sure. Um, but I also, uh, there is a taqueria right by my house. Uh, it's called Dos Charros. Mm-hmm. Um, and it serves uh, the San Francisco State University population. Mm-hmm. And it's bomb. It it's just right. we got to check that out. I don't it's know. the park for said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? I have to say that I'm a big fan of... Um, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh-huh. And I made my family uh, look at it the other day, and they didn't get it. <laughs> like, what do you guys like? You need to be, you know, it's supposed to be this. Um, but I, uh, there's so many movies that I love, and TV shows also uh-huh. as well, you know. Um, and um, I will say, I grew up uh, watching The Streets of San Francisco. I mean, that was like, you know, the classic. Yeah. And, and I still uh, will look up old episodes because, you know, the car chases. And I love it that, you know, they were incongruous. I mean, I mean, you know, you'd be in Potrero Hill and, yeah, yeah. and the next shot would be like, you know, in the Embarcadero. But there's there's nothing bad about all that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Martunis. Mm. Yeah. What was your first concert? Um, it was Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Because oh, oh, I'm nice. a 80s. <laughs> what, what era? Born in the USA? Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. was, and, and my girlfriends and I, so this was high school, right? We all, um, you know, got matching T-shirts. And, you know, it was just Cute. like the whole. <laughs> it was so play, much fun. Did he play Cow Palace for that one? Or was it, it the was Coliseum? Cow, no, it was the Cow Palace. Mighty yeah. Cow Palace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. If you could recruit another supervisor to join you dancing in Carnival, who would it be? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it would be Connie Chan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why? It would be Connie. Because uh, she's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't always agree on stuff. We sit next to one another. Uh-huh. But she has a really good sense of humor. <laughs> You know? And she always cracks me up. And so, you know, what we do is serious stuff, yeah. you know, and we it always uh, it often gets toxic. Right. Mm. People like disagree. And um, so having having uh, a sense of humor and a sense of fun um, yeah. is important. So and is there a supervisor pick. who you would not want to look over on Mission Street and see dancing with you? Um yeah, probably uh, Aaron Peskin. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to Tone <laughs> What is your favorite hidden gem in District 7? Oh, there's so many. Um, I I think that one of the most underrated is at Lake Merced. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is enormous. Um, and there's so many different aspects of it, right? There's wilderness. You could probably, like, you know, camp on Lake Merced and not know that you're in the city. You know, there's, like, a huge wilderness area where we protected the coyotes and the raccoons and all of this wildlife. Um, and there's, of course, golfers. And there's the dragon boat racers. And there's the kayakers. There's all kinds of different different activities mm-hmm. going on all the time. And, you know, of course, people can, you know, bike around. And it takes a good 45 minutes to get around the yeah. lake. But it, it is one of the hidden gems of San Francisco, I think. My, my grandmother took me trout fishing there when I was very young, taught me how to clean a trout and um, very fond memories of Lake Merced. I don't think I've been there since. We walked past it on our 49-mile adventure. Yeah, but I haven't, like, hung out yeah. there in a long time. We're due. I learned before we started recording we have something in common, which is that we both receive frequent letters from Quentin Cox, <laughs> another one of our Total SF podcast guests. On a scale of 1 to 10, how angry are your letters? Um, I would say they are a 9. <laughs> because usually... Um, Judge Cop and I don't agree on the policy. <laughs> so he has to let me know about it. But we have a good relationship mm-hmm. personally, you know, so yeah. he feels he has to, you know, send me those handwritten <laughs> letters. <laughs> and a change that wasn't really highlighted that much in the coverage of the redistricting process is that he's no longer one of your constituents. He no longer is. Yeah. <laughs> have you warned Supervisor Marr about I have. what this will mean for his <laughs> mailbox? Well, I have I have warned Supervisor Marr that he will have to communicate with Judge Cobb <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> Heather, I have to ask you, since we met with Judge Cobb, um, and had a very nice time. He was very kind to us, and we had a lot of laughs. Have your letters gotten less acerbic, a little more conversational? Um, the thrust of the letter, like why he's writing, is still angry, but he usually does like the sandwich of like, Dear Ms. Knight, it's wonderful to be writing to you again. And at the end, like, be of good cheer. <laughs> <laughs> but the middle part is still angry. <laughs> 
I'm outraged. <laughs> you know what? I always learn something from Judge Cop. You yeah. know, uh, he, he means will, very well, and he does love this city. Yeah, he does, and and he will remember. You know, these minute details mm-hmm. about stuff that happened in 1954. Oh, we heard know? all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which can often be really useful. <laughs> Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Uh, hugging my daughter. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I you know, when I decided to run for supervisor, you know, I think most female politicians go through this, right? It's like the, the family negotiation happened. Um, and I asked her what she thought. And she's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And she's like, but... Um, if you ever are at a point where you are spending less than one hour a day with me and my daddy, um, then you have to quit. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that was her her bottom line. So um, I do make it a point to always uh, spend time, just, just you know, cuddling time. Mm-hmm. She's 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's now three inches taller than me. Wow. Um, which Even you, without the stilts? Even without the stilts. And she's very proud of that, by the way. But um, but she still wants to, like, cuddle, yeah. you know? And I know that those days are mm-hmm. numbered. There'll be a yeah. point really soon where she's like, uh, you know, you're embarrassing oh, my me. Son, my son's <laughs> 17. I got a hug this morning. Oh, did And he's, you? he's taller than me now, too. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for coming on Total Less Stuff. It was fun to talk to you. Yay. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I heard you guys got lost. <laughs> it always looks different, and I haven't been down here in a couple of years, so. Yeah, so where'd you end up? I mean, uh, how lost were you? I, I want <laughs> All details over the basement. on that. It was nearly a disaster. The mayor nearly had to appoint a new supervisor for <laughs> District 7. Uh, they changed the walls so much here in the Chronicle that I get lost too. And I'm always thinking, like, I hope they're not taking down retaining walls. Well, City Hall's a much more beautiful building yeah. than our archive. Yeah. Hey, hey, but watch it. we got rid of the dead cockroach. Well, I don't know. If you go down, you know, in the basement and inside the offices, like, we have mice, you know, at City Hall. <laughs> so uh, behind the scenes, it's not yeah. all that. And, uh, yeah, we're good. Three, two...